Disclaimer. The views expressed on this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik are solely the opinions of the host and the guest. The content of the conversation is not reflective of the institutions or establishments mentioned therein. Take all these opinions with a pinch of salt and a dash of lime if needed. Namaskara, good morning, good afternoon or good evening whenever you're watching or listening and welcome to this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. My guest this week is Shichi Ting. Shichi and I, like most of my guests except for one, uh, met at the University of Central Oklahoma and uh, she was actually studying here a couple of years back uh, to become a teacher, which she currently is back home in Malaysia. In this episode, we spoke about that aspect of teaching and why she wanted to become a teacher, her experiences of teaching people of different age groups. Um, We even spoke about vulnerability, which is sort of associated with uh, this new page and card game that she's starting with her friends called But Honestly. We covered a wide gamut of topics associated with vulnerability and also spoke about topics like accountability, acceptance and confidence. So I'm pretty sure that there's a ton that you can relate to from this episode. So without further ado, I present to you Shichi Ting on this episode of Perspective Platoon with Pratik. Hey, Shichi. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, to get us started, let the people know who you are, uh, some of your likes, some of your dislikes, and some of your future aspirations. Yeah, uh, my name is Sichi. Um, I am 24. This year, I am working full-time um, as a teacher. I teach in a secondary school, which is kind of like a combination of middle and high school. I teach 13 to 15-year-olds. Um, some things I like. I like good food. I like good music. Mm-hmm. Um, I like being back in Asia because we have really good food. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like. Who do I not like? I don't like. I don't like being late, even though I'm late a lot. I think that's a random fun fact. Um, and a future aspiration, I would like to um, be in charge of something or be a part of something that brings forth big change in Malaysia. Yeah, I think I would really like to do that. Gotcha. Uh, just for added context, she said you like being back in Asia. Uh, for those of you who don't know, she used to study here in uh, the United States in Oklahoma at UCO. And uh, when you graduated a year back? Was it a couple I of years? I graduated 2019. 2019. And I did my OPT for a year. Um, but I moved from admin to Telsas. I was there for a year before I came back to Malaysia. Gotcha. Uh, if you if you were to, I know this might seem hard, but if you were to sort of truncate your whole experience in UCO or in the United States overall in like a couple of sentences, how would you put it? I think it was definitely a time of unlearning a lot of things that I learned, um, mm. which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. And I grew a lot, not in a way that I anticipated more of in a way that I didn't like. It was a painful season, I think, honestly, in my life. Um, but I came out a lot more 
woke, you know, I know I knew a lot more things, a lot more, like my perspective broadened. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like I um, had a better understanding of my personal belief system and my identity mm. as I um, left the state. Yeah. Mm. Um, you mentioned something there about how it initially felt sort of painful, but then coming out of it, you feel like it's added to you. Do you feel like were there any lessons that you learned that will add to you as a person for the rest of your life? That if you're comfortable sharing, please do. If you're yeah. not, that's totally fine. I understand. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I would love to share. Um, I don't know if it's the same for you, but, you know, we're both international students and moving mm-hmm. from, like, one culture to another, even though I knew the American culture in my head, right? Like, I would watch American TV. That's all I consumed, actually. Um I knew the accent, I knew the culture, I knew what they looked like, what they did, but like having to fit into that culture was really, really hard for me. And I mean, Oklahoma is not a very diverse place. And so I felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb, you know, and I, and back, back home in Malaysia, before I left, you know, I was very friendly. I had a lot of friends. I was very sociable, but there I struggled so much to fit in. Mm. Um, so that was a very, very painful experience. My first few experiences, like, Making friends was very hard. Um, but as the years passed by, I realized a lot of it was my own preconceived notion of like, they don't like me because I'm Asian, which mm. actually wasn't true. I mean, like, okay, there are people like that, but the majority of people are not like that. And I kind of like, um, what's that word? The way I acted made people felt like I was unfriendly, right? It, it was like mm. a self fulfilling mm-hmm. prophecy yeah. thing. Um, so mm. when, that's one of the biggest things that I've learned that like your mindset affects a lot of things and that if you believe something, you, your actions will reflect that. Um, mm. And like my, my, after I graduated, like only my senior year, I realized that, right. It was too late to make friends. Um, American friends. Like I was fine with the international people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but only when I started working, I realized, Oh wait, that's not the case. And had really, really good coworkers. We were really close. Um, and so I think I, I am very glad that I overcame that mindset, which really hindered my self-confidence and like crippled it at first. But I'm glad that I left um, learning that, that, you know, like, oh, that I was wrong. That was, you know, really just like. Hmm. Okay. You, men- you mentioned something about self-confidence there and just an interesting thought popped up. So just for added context again, um, you used to be Miss International Youth CEO in 2017, correct? Yeah, 2016, 2017. 2016, 20, 20, 2017. So the juxtaposition of that in terms of your confidence and taking part in that, did you sort of see anything over there that made you think, oh, it's not just about being externally self-confident, but internally self-confident? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, let me ask you, like, are you a different person on stage than when you are, like, one-on-one? Yeah, I can be. I, I'm I'm working towards trying not to be that because I feel yeah. like my best representation would be me or the person who I am throughout the day. Right. But yeah, there is there is a different sense of stage confidence that comes on while you go on stage. But then while you're off it and while you're in the real world per se, um, yeah, you're not the same. Like there is some sort of nervous energy right. around you or something like that. Yeah, so I I totally get it. I totally get it. But I was just curious to know, because like a lot of the times, a lot of people say this, they have like great stage presence, but then when it comes to regular, the regular world, so to speak, um, 
it sort of fizzles out. And I mean, not to say that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's just something that's part of us. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like, like what you said, like, it's so true, as, especially with me. Um, I feel like I have a different kind of confidence when I'm on stage, right? Because mm-hmm. when I'm on stage, they are there to listen to me. Like that, like, whereas when I'm talking to people, like when I'm not on stage, I, I don't have, like I'm on, on the same level as them, if that makes sense. And so I have to fight for my voice in a conversation mm-hmm. versus on stage. Like it's my, my voice, like this is my turn to speak. Uh, it's not that I don't have things to say, but I think that's it. Like fighting for or like when to speak, when is the right time to, to voice, you know, my opinions. out. Oh, I think that was a struggle. So with um, the pageant, it's very easy for me to be on stage because I do have that kind of like stage presence. Mm. Um, and it wasn't as daunting as like having a conversation with like American people. I don't know why I was like so scared mm. of that. But um, I would say joining the pageant did help me build my self-confidence because um, like people would approach me, and, you know, to host events and to be a part of things. And that's when I will communicate with people. And then I realize, oh, wait, like they, they actually like me. They don't hate me. You know, they're friendly. Yeah. Mm. Gotcha. Okay. So you said that it also sort of helped or well, people were listening to you while you were on stage. Uh, so speaking of people listening to you, you mentioned that you're a teacher and a lot of the times you are the one teaching or the students of yours are listening to you. So just out of curiosity, what what got you to become a teacher or what got you to study or you came here to study to become a teacher, correct? Right, right, yeah. Yeah. So talk to me about that whole journey of like the genesis of the idea when when you, however old you were, to now becoming a teacher. Right. So when I graduated high school, um, you know, I had to decide what I wanted to study or major in in college. I was in a crossroad and I have never wanted to become a teacher. Like, never crossed my mind. We have this conception, I think, in Asia. Like, I don't know about, like, for you, but in Malaysia, like, teachers are not very, like, highly regarded, you know? And mm. um, it's not really a common aspiration. You know, you want to, you know, if you're good in school, you, you don't really want to be a teacher. You want to, like, you know, become a doctor, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> not the same, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um, but. I think for me, I had, like, I'm Christian, and so, like, I was praying about it one day, and I really felt like God put in my heart um, to do this, and, like, as I was, like, reflecting on what I was good at and um, what I can really do to serve the community, I felt like teaching is something that um, I could really be a part of, and um, I started to really develop this, like, heart for children and really, like, this heart for the next generation, and especially for my country, I really feel like there's a great need in this country for like better education, especially for kids in poverty. And so I feel mm. like me doing this and deciding to um, major in this um, will be able to bring some kind of like positive impact to my community. And I think that was one of the biggest motivating factors of why I decided to be in education. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned something there about how it's not, being a teacher is not necessarily highly regarded or highly regarded rather. Um, do you think that some of that is just because of the pay packet or is it more about sort of like, I don't know where I was going with that, but overall, like, I think being a teacher is something that regards a lot of respect because at the end of the day, you are giving knowledge and that is after all a huge part of life. Like, 
I'm also someone, like you said, you're a Christian. I'm also someone who's religious and spiritual. And um, there's a lot of things about growth and how knowledge is sort of connected to that. So I'm just curious to know your thoughts on this. Why do you think that teachers are not respected as much? Is it just because of the pay package, pay package or is it something else? Yes, that's such a good question. Um, I really think um, the pay packet is one of it, right? It's like, if, you, if, if, you, if it's not a highly paid job, um, there must be a reason why. And to mm. be very honest, um, at least in Malaysia, anyone, and, and the same thing in America, actually, anyone can be a teacher. Um, it's not hard to become a teacher. It's hard to be a good teacher, right? right. But to get certified, um, to actually get the job, it's not hard. And so mm. because of that, it's not very highly regarded. And to be very honest, you had your fair share of bad teachers, right? Teachers yeah. who really didn't care. Teachers who just read from a book. Teachers who you know were not cut up for the job. And they kept their job, right? There's not really like a kind of standard that, that they have to keep. Mm. Um, mm. So I, I don't blame society for not respecting teachers. Um, I think it's all because of the system not you know, give, ha- having a higher level of like, oh, teachers must be like this, blah, blah. For example, mm. in, I don't know if you know this, in Finland, sorry, is it Finland? Wait, what's, where's like the best education in the world? It's Finland, right? Wait, no, I feel like, is it Finland or Sweden? Is it one of those no, two? No, it's not. Wait, what is it? It's, um, no, it's not Finland. What? What? Anyways, okay, like, it, it just, I just lost it. But, okay, the country with the best education in the world, mm. um, they you need a master's degree to become a teacher, even an elementary school teacher. Mm. Um, and so because of that, teachers are very highly regarded in that country. Mm. So yeah, I think a lot of factors. Mm. Interesting. Because, yeah, like, and like you said, there are good teachers and bad teachers. But unfortunately, I think all teachers sort of get clouded in that same right. bubble of being like, oh, you know, you're a teacher after all that good teacher doesn't get the respect that they deserve. And um, yeah, you know, so it's, it's, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not someone who's um, been like always respectful of my teachers. I, I don't mind saying that I can admit to that, but coming out of school and going to college and things like that, like it, it makes you realize how disrespectful you might have been as a student in school. Cause you know, there's a lot of small things that we do in school that, really gets the teachers riled up. At least that happens in India. I don't know, not so much. I'm not quite aware of how the connection between the students and the teachers are in Malaysia, or is rather. But yeah, like I've seen moments where teachers are really upset, but then, you know, they still have to sort of bite the bullet and keep going, that sort of thing. So like, just for that alone, I feel like they deserve a lot of respect or they've earned their respect, but they don't necessarily get as much of it. So, um, but yeah, moving on to you teaching right now, what is that experience like? And what do you teach for those of them, those of those of them watching or listening who don't know? Yeah, um, so I, this is my second teaching job. My first, my degree is actually in elementary education. So my mm-hmm. first job was back in the States. I taught uh, first grade. That was a lot mm-hmm. of fun, like tiny kids. Um, definitely learned a lot about patience. Um, mm. And interestingly enough, I feel like our Asian upbringing and our Asian perspective of education is very different from the West. Um, for us, it's a lot about like studying, a lot about like achieving a lot. Um, and, and I don't know, like, but like even the way our parents parented us, especially for me, 
um, it's very like strict and very like um, you know if you don't do it right, I'm gonna scold you like no do it like kind of like like scare factor mm-hmm. right. Um, whereas you know I've learned that in my degree that that's not very good. Um, like you shouldn't be like that. You know, and so I'm learning what I learned growing up and trying to use a different approach like positive reinforcement for kids. Um, that was a big learning curve for me. Um, but it was a lot of fun. Like, I love little kids. Right now, I teach older kids, like 13 mm-hmm. to 15 year olds. This is very, very different. Um, mm-hmm. And they are, uh, I teach English and science. And it's interesting to see the cultural difference of like, oh, American kids like are like this. They're a lot more like outspoken, a lot more critical thinking, you know. But here, not really, right? They're very, they're always wanting to just do good in their exams. And so trying to encourage them to do beyond that, but also helping them do well because you know, that's what I'm expected to do as a teacher here. Um, but overall, really good experience. I, I enjoy my job a lot. Mm. You probably already mentioned there uh, about the difference in teaching 13 to 15-year-olds and teaching six oh. or six-year-olds. But um, if you were to dig deeper a little, if you don't mind sharing again, what are some things that you don't like about teaching six-year-olds and what are some things that or what are some things you like and don't like in both yeah Hmm. never really thought of it but let me think i think for younger kids Mm -hmm. i don't like how they cry so much it's like it's so bad to say but like they cry over the silliest things and like Mm -hmm. sometimes like oh my gosh are you really crying like my students would be like in the middle of class ting i miss my mom and they would start like bawling and i'm like Gosh, I'm teaching a lesson right now, you know. They're mm-hmm. kids and like they're still learning how to regulate their emotions. Yeah. Um, that's the good part of like teaching older kids, they don't do that. Um, <laughs> you know, they, like, yeah. yeah, I miss yeah. my mom, like they don't do yeah. that. But um, I think what I don't like about teaching older kids is that they're not as I guess affectionate or not as like mm-hmm. like I love you like thank you so much you know like whereas kids are a lot more expressive with how much they appreciate you um, just not really a bad thing but you know if yeah one thing that I like from each group mm. yeah like do you think that there's a bit of a lack of connection between the older kids and you in comparison to the younger kids and you I think it's a different kind of connection right the younger kids they see me as an adult whereas with the older kids I'm more like a friend and mm. I think I can relate to them a lot so they I think they confide in me in different ways like my students are really cool they'll tell me about who they like they'll tell me about um you know the struggles they have at home um there's a level of trust um mm. and I give them advice not just as a teacher but like as a friend as well right. whereas with little kids I have to put on more like a motherly role um, yeah so it's a different dynamic but I feel like I'm close to Hmm. Gotcha. Um. What is it? What is it like giving advice to like early teens? <laughs> I think it's so much fun. I I I like um talking to them. I like them um confiding me. I think they they bring a lot of like different perspective, and sometimes mm. I I I don't realize how smart they are and how much they like can articulate. Um. And I mean, yeah. I, I would give them advice the same way I would give a friend, I think. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I don't... Yeah, but, but definitely there's this, there's this like, late level of, like, innocence with them when they share something, you know, like, about this girl mm. that broke your heart. I'm like, oh, my gosh, forget her, right? But, like, of course I don't say that. I'm like, you know, yeah, like, 
she's not worth it. Yeah. <laughs> mm. um, to sort of try and mirror this, was it, did you have a similar situation yourself while you were 13 to 15 years old, where you had a slightly younger teacher or were you, did you, or were you being taught by a slightly older teacher? And if so, how does that make it different for you now that you are a teacher, you are in those shoes, but at a slightly younger age? Right. Um, I've never really had like a close young teacher um, mm. growing up. They're all like a little bit older than me. Um, but I did, so I grew up in a very, like for my secondary school, so like middle and high school, my school is really small. There are like 60 people in one grade level. Um, mm. And so we're really, really close to my, our teachers. Um, I used to see one of my teachers every time I go back to my hometown, I, I see like grab coffee with her. Um, I think the age factor wasn't, I mean, obviously young teacher, I get it, like more relatable, right? Like I watch TikToks, they watch TikToks, you know, we can like talk about the same, same yeah. memes or like stuff. Um, yeah. But I think my experience as a student, just having really, really good teachers um, and like very good relationships with them um, makes me want to have that with my students, right? Hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. Um, <laughs> looking back at how you were as a 13-year-old or 15-year-old to now giving them advice. Do you think, do you like look back on it and feel like, oh, I feel like this is so dumb. Why <laughs> why am I crying over this? Um, you know, when you, you're like, why why did you cry over this when you were 13 or 15? Now that you're in your 20s, have you have you had that happen to you a lot sometimes? Yeah, yeah. Not, not in a like, oh my gosh, you're so stupid, like, thought but like oh my gosh like I remember um crying over that and that's so silly um mm. I, don't know if, I mean when you look back at you know when you were younger I'm sure that you've had that same feeling yeah mm-hmm. um yeah but I look at my students I'm thinking oh like uh like that you know that's such a it's not a huge problem but to them it is right so I definitely try not to like um disregard their experience but right. it's a little like humorous for me as well mm-hmm. but there are also instances where they share something which really breaks my heart um and i can totally relate to how like serious that 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 situation is like usually it's like a family problem or like a serious friendship problem mm-hmm. um, those are i i understand how that can really scar someone and so yeah um, it does it does definitely remind me of like when i was younger and all this stuff mm-hmm. that i see my friends go through and i went through Mm. Yeah, no, I mean, in no way is it like throwing slight at uh, 13-year-olds or 15-year-olds. Like, their experience <laughs> is different from ours. And, you know, everybody has their own problems. Everybody deals with their own problems differently. So, uh, you know, it's not a slight at them at all. It's just sort of like looking back on it. I think being reflective on it, it's just like there's some things that just like make, like get you to laugh. Like when I think about some of the things that I did before too, like you just said, yeah, it just <laughs> cracks me up. I'm like, wow, why did I even do that? How silly right, right. was that? Was so silly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So earlier you mentioned something about, um, well, before I transition, like do a hard quick or a hard turn rather. Words. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you recently started an Instagram page and you're working on a card game, correct? Yes. Yes. So can you just enlighten us a little more about that? Yeah. So I recently started um, an Instagram page but honestly um that's also the name of our product which is a card game um and the whole reason why i started this with my friends um is because i feel like we don't really have open conversations um in malaysian culture 
right? Or similar in Asian culture, right? We don't really talk about hard topics, like how we feel, um, our experiences. And it's very normal for us. Let's say we're going through a tough time for us to blame our external circumstances versus like self-reflecting and realize, oh, maybe it's like I didn't handle the situation correctly or I need to change things about myself. Um, and so the goal of the game is to create an environment within friend groups. So it's like a fun card game, but like also mm. deep and vulnerable um, where people mm. feel safe to share about how they feel. And also hopefully it would um, allow for like people around them to be more empathetic, to understand their friends. Um, so we want to just like build that community and that and to like normalize that here. So, mm. you know, I just really thought that a fun way to do it, like with a card game, maybe you're drinking with friends or maybe you like, you know, you're just hanging out with your friends. Like it's a fun way to like break the ice and um, to start the conversation. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Because, yeah, like you just mentioned speaking of conversation and people being open. You mentioned how 15-year-olds, 15-year-olds were rather open to you about their problems and things like that. And, yeah, I think like uh, the older we get, that vulnerability sort of goes away, I think, or at least that's what I've noticed. Um, you know, you just... Because I guess society is... <clears throat> excuse me. I guess society is built in a way where <clears throat> you need to present yourself as this hard rock that can deal with any sort of weight that falls on your shoulders. And yeah, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a believer of the fact that, you know, you're given problems that you can deal with, Um like, I personally do believe, like, you know, the problems you're given, while, yeah, they might be the worst of the worst. And sometimes I can't even imagine the problems that people de- are dealing with. But I do believe that you have the strength to deal with it. It's just about finding that strength. But, yeah, at the same time, like, there is that lack of softness to that hard rock in society because you're meant to be a certain way. For men, be it macho, or for women, just, you know, that you need to be this go-getter at home and at work and so on and so forth where they don't necessarily get to express themselves so how important do you think it is for us to be able to express ourselves both from a sense of being vulnerable and from a sense of being ourselves yeah i think like what you said especially not just limited to asian culture but like very prevalent and prevalent in asian culture we don't want to talk about how we feel right and um it's it's a way of not just like asking for help and support. I feel like humans, we're, we're communal people, right? We're not meant to do life alone. So we need mm-hmm. that kind of support. And when you don't feel like you can tell someone else how you feel and you do life alone, it's like very suffocating and hard, right? Um, that's why therapy is so effective because you're talking about how you feel. And so right. I think even more so for men, maybe not so much for women, but like, you know, your experience as an Asian male like it's hard um, to talk about how you feel because you're expected to be strong. You're expected to not cry. You're expected to like, you know, and, and that's how our dads are. And, you know, like they're very firm and strong men. Yeah. And, um, I kind of want to break that because, you know, like why, why do, why do men like, why is it, you know, why, why can't they share their emotions? Why can't we? Mm. Um, I feel like it's better for like self growth, like for everything, like vulnerability is, I think how we self-reflect, how we become better, how we express ourselves and should always be encouraged regardless of gender and, you know, background and age, you know, it's, it's, it, it brings people closer together as well. You know, when you mm. have a couple of drinks and then you're telling your friends about how you feel like that, like, you know, at 2 a.m., you know, when you feel really close, 
Like, mm. I hope to cultivate that not only in the AM hours when you're drunk, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, that's something that we can always feel comfortable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Well, I I can't attest to or attest drinking and being vulnerable because I don't drink, but <laughs> I do feel that sometimes I do get vulnerable with people a little too much because. And like transitioning that into a question, I won't speak too much about that experience because we can talk about another, we can talk about that another day. But do you think that there is a sort of line that you have to draw in terms of being vulnerable? Good question. I've never thought of it. I don't think so. Um, okay. But I do think um, it takes a level of self awareness to know if you're if the person you're talking to. It's like ready for the information. You know what mm. I mean? Maybe you're, you're oversharing and like they don't want to hear it because maybe it makes them uncomfortable or maybe right. I think most of the time it's the uncomfortable part. But mm. I don't think you should ever feel like you cannot be vulnerable. Mm. And if your friends make you feel that way, maybe you should. I don't know. I think it's I think it's fair to like talk to them about it and be like, hey, I just really want to share this with you. And, um, you know, I'm not trying to make mm. you feel uncomfortable. Yeah, would you let me yeah. share this? I feel like good friends will not make you feel that way intentionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And uh, I feel the need to add context, but at the same time, I don't want to go too far because I don't want this person to feel like I I'm want to know. Oh, their... okay. <laughs> I don't want this person to feel like I'm airing their dirty laundry. But right. um, it was mostly, so it ended up going the other way because I was vulnerable with the person. Uh, the person sort of developed feelings where I was just being friend. So yeah but i'll just stop it at that so that we don't go too far but i can we can talk about it later but um yeah yeah, um it's just that thing which made me think like you know is there is there a line that we have to draw to being vulnerable but then yeah you answered it pretty well in the sense that it's not just about uh what you're saying it's about whom you're saying that to because not everybody's going to be receptive to it yeah no please go ahead sorry no i was gonna say like you brought up a very good point Right? When you're vulnerable with someone and that level of intimacy is so rare, it's easy for it to seem like, oh, maybe like there's something here, right? Mm. Um, and, and that level of closeness, is, it is special, right? Not everyone is vulnerable. Um, so I don't know if this is right. I'm just like, think, like saying what I'm thinking. If we normalize that, like vulnerability wouldn't be so rare and something that we cling on mm. to so harsh. You know, like mm. it's normal for us to talk about these kind of things. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I guess the reason why, like, she felt that way is because it is, you you feel close to that person and Mm -hmm. it, 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 and you know, it's, it's that kind of like safe space that we want to create when we are having this kind of conversations. And I feel like maybe you cultivated that, which is an attractive quality. So I don't understand, you know, I I get it why she would be like, Ooh, you know? Yeah. No, but yeah, it was, it just made me curious because I didn't see it then. But after it happened, like after a couple of couple of years that it happened, I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I guess that's why that happened. Because I spoke to, I think I spoke to a couple of her friends after that. Um, and yeah, it was just something like that, that. Like they mentioned something about that. And I was like, oh, okay, I see why. And like, right. you know, again, this is, <laughs> this is my assumption. Maybe that person has a different story to tell. And, you know, that's, that's their story. That's, right. you know, because again, like I said earlier, we all have our own experiences. But um, sticking to the sense of being vulnerable, uh, do you think that, I mean, we can only speak to our own cultures or like the culture that we've seen in America. Do you, do you see a difference in vulnerability 
Or is it pretty much the same? Um, I do feel maybe not vulnerability, but I feel like a lot of things are not as taboo in the States as they are in Asian culture. Like mm. one thing I realized um, in Oklahoma, people are very open about religion. They like talk about their faith very openly um, or they talk about their sexuality very openly. Um, most of the things that maybe we feel like we can talk about, they do it very mm. well, right? Um, I think that's good because people don't feel so ashamed about certain things. Um, so I do feel in that sense, like, the Western culture is, is more vulnerable in that in that sense. Of course, it's like a person-to-person mm-hmm. person thing. But yeah. like culturally, we are not because we have been taught to keep it in, um, to mm. not express. And, 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 and when we do it, it's a burden to others. Like you don't want to burden others with how you feel, so don't tell them. You know, And, and mm. even if you talk about how you feel, nothing can change. We have this like mindset, whereas in the West, you don't really have that mindset, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see that because I think um, while I mean, it you just saying that sort of got me in, into this different sort of bubble of being like, yeah. I think we are not to say that people over here are not necessarily as connected, but there is this element of personal space. So that element of personal space in this sort of juxtaposition, forgive my use of this word over and over again, in terms of... Um, being vulnerable and being open and talk about it. I just find it fascinating because you would think that there needs to be a sense of closeness to be able to talk about it, mm. or at least, or is that, or is that just Asian conditioning? Mm, interesting. Huh. I don't know. Maybe. I feel like we're not as open, right? We mm. do feel like we need a sense of closeness. I don't know if that's an exclusively Asian thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you talking about like individualism and that that like personal space thing makes me think a pro about Asian culture is that we're very communal. And so mm-hmm. we like rely on other people for support more than let's say someone who's like in the Western culture where they're more like individualistic. Um, so that can be a pro of Asian culture, right? Like, um, yeah. yeah. In that sense yeah. of like vulnerability and openness and reliance on other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got me thinking. That's a that's a very good <laughs> thinking. About yeah, it's something to think about. Yeah, something to think about because that's at least like that's how we look at it. Is in the sense that oh, if you're close, you're comfortable sharing. You're not gonna go and share to somebody who's like a random Joe walking on the right. street. Yeah, you know. So um, yeah, unless you write music and you sing, you know, whatever. That's a, I guess that's a different thing altogether. But um, you know, overall, like we don't necessarily go to people and share our experiences unless we're close to them and so on. Uh, You mentioned something earlier about your own experience of not or struggling to find when you can join a conversation. Do you feel like a lot of that is channeled because of past experiences of maybe feeling like it wasn't your place to talk? Yeah. um, One example of like me feeling like it was weird to speak up is because in school like we don't really speak up here whereas like in the u.s like it's very normal to have a very conversational kind of like lesson with your professors especially in in my classes um but i think the reason why i felt like i couldn't like interject in conversations was because um i think i'm a very like i need to check the situation and make sure like they want me there like i'm always like i'm not like 
hey what's up you know i just like okay wait do they want to talk to me if they do then i'll be like what's up you know mm-hmm. um but i think what made me feel like i couldn't join the conversation especially in the states was because of like my first few experiences with like trying to make friends were like really bad mm. like i tried super hard to like make friends in classes but they wouldn't like talk to me and so i just thought like, oh is it because i'm asian is it because i look like fobby like is it because of my accent um you know i didn't always speak like this i had to like curate this american accent as i lived there right and mm. i don't know if i like that i had to feel like i had to do that you know mm. um, just to fit in but i i think it's it's my personality too i i i really really want to like feel accepted before i join mm. a conversation be a part of it mm. maybe you already sort of touched on this earlier but what role does acceptance have to play in terms of being vulnerable so good you ask really really good questions you're so good thank at this you. podcasting thank you wow. thank you <laughs> um I feel like if you don't feel accepted, you cannot be mm. vulnerable, right? It's like a prerequisite. Um and acceptance, like there's a lot of like things that come under acceptance, right? You have to feel like you feel understood, like you don't feel judged, that you feel like welcome. Um so, you know, you you kind of need all this first before you can be vulnerable with someone. Um mm. and I think vulnerability is hard because we don't want to be we don't want to seem weak or like we don't want to be made fun of or you know so if the person even like slightly like makes you feel that they might like laugh or whatever or you know judge your whatever you're about to share then you don't feel like you can be vulnerable or, or honest with that person and so yeah that's a good question definitely a prerequisite to vulnerability mm. but this question might seem like a bit of a pivot on that same question cuz recently like and i've probably drummed on about this on all episodes <laughs> i've been reading the bhagavad gita a lot and it ta- like it's one of the books in hinduism that right. sort of teaches lessons and so on and um from what i got from that book was a lot about internal acceptance with the self rather than seeking acceptance from the external so I'm just sort of curious to know if you've thought about this or not in terms of how the internal acceptance versus external acceptance plays a role in us being vulnerable. Wow. Honestly, I haven't really thought about that in detail. Um I do feel like being honest and vulnerable with yourself requires what you're saying right internally accepting that oh you know i maybe i mess up sometimes maybe um i'm flawed and that's okay right not being harsh mm-hmm. with yourself being able to self reflect and that you know vulnerable and honest with yourself that requires um looking inwards um and i don't know maybe you can give me a different insight but i feel like being vulnerable to other people needs to be reciprocated somehow like even if i'm like self aware and i like am firm in what i i i i believe or you know vulnerability is i don't know it requires like opening up and mm. it's not always easy and so if you're in an environment that doesn't allow you to do that i still feel even if you're like very like you know a, you know peace or like if you like you get what i'm trying to say right you you yeah. what's the word like you if are reflecting inward yeah, yeah 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 um 
it could still be hard for you to be vulnerable um, in a circumstance that does not uh, allow you to feel safe. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? Do you agree? Do you disagree? No, I I do agree to an extent. Um, you said something about like the right environment for us to be able to be vulnerable. And uh, that sort of made me think, I don't know if you're a believer of energies and how people have their own energy and so on. But um, I don't know if you've experienced this, but a lot of the times, or not a lot of the times, maybe I'm over-exaggerating there. But there are moments where, you know, someone is being vulnerable to you. But then you feel like all the energy is just sapped out of you, you know, while they're open. Or I don't know, maybe I don't know if you've had that experience, but I feel like I have. Um, and again, like this, I don't necessarily blame it on them, but it's just that maybe our energies were not in sync or cause like a lot of the times what people say is when you're around people, be around the people that like, it's a constant exchange of energy rather than a constant sort of leeching of energy. So, uh, yeah, I feel like there are, there have been moments where when someone's been vulnerable to me, I felt coming out of that conversation, I felt exhausted. I was like. You know, wow, like, I mean, not that I was pondering on it, but if I look back on it, I do feel like I was sort of exhausted after that conversation. How how do you, like, like okay, well, can you give me some context or give me some examples? Like, what made you exhausted? Mm. Like, what was it about that conversation that made you feel that way? Might have been, again, um... I'm not throwing shade at anybody who's listening. Yeah, I just yeah. want to start that. I'll say that before I or state that before I go ahead and say this. I feel like sometimes it can be repetition of stuff or, um, you know, probably not noticing. And okay, look, I'm, I'm not holier than thou in any way. Like, you know, we, yeah, I'm yeah. all, I've made my own flaws too, or I, I'm not free of flaws either, but, um, you know, I feel like, there's sometimes a lack of self-awareness while being vulnerable that you forget or you don't realize that, oh, this is something that I can still fix, but I'm just venting about it. Right. More so that you end up seeming like you're complaining about it. Now, again, like I'm o- I'm all open for people venting because like at the end, I, I've been in a spot where I didn't necessarily talk to people about how I was feeling when I was a little younger and I did feel like I was bottled up. I had bursts of moments where I cried and so on, you know, but, you know, looking back on it now and all those sort of experiences, there's, there's parts of me that feel like there are moments where people are being open or talking to you about something really deep. It feels like something, something is being taken away from you. And maybe it's that sense of, or maybe you don't see them like trying to take control. Um, this this hope like the conversation of control opens a different can of worms altogether. But there's things that we can't control, and we need to, we need to let go of those 100. Right. But there's things that you can control that you can work on, you know. And maybe it's those things that when I listen to over and over again. And again, this is not just one person. Of, I feel like it's happened before too. Um, it just sort of, yeah, it just sort of leaves me, I guess exhausted is not the right word, but, or maybe it is, or maybe just depleted in some sense. Yeah. Like it drains you. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, actually, now that you say it, it, it um, reminds me of conversations like that, right? Where it feels like they are, what's that word? Like word vomiting on you and they just mm. want you to take in, right? Um, I get that. Yeah, that's hopefully not the kind of vulnerability that my card game, you know, elicits. No, 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 no. I definitely, this is a joke, I know, yeah. I'm just joking. Yeah, but definitely you're right. Like there needs to be a level of self-awareness and um, hopefully, um, you know, like, uh, like like the person who is speaking is also open to listening and it's more of a conversation than a one-way street thing. I think that's when it becomes like draining. You're just feeling, mm. okay, I'm just here. Like I'm just like a punching bag. The person's just like, to me. Right? Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I definitely can relate to that. And hopefully, I've never done that, but I might have, right? When you just want to like... <laughs> right, right, right. No, again, like I said, like we've probably done it too. Um, yeah. we, we probably weren't aware of it at that time. But now looking back on it, the gift, gift of hindsight, like, you know, you can tell, oh, this is what I did wrong or this is what I could have done better and so on. Yeah, that's such a good just, thing to bring up. I think, yeah, yeah, definitely something that we should look out for. Mm-hmm. Just switching that on its head a little more, do you think that it takes a sense of vulnerability for the listener to go and be like, look, I know you have you want to vent and you want to let go, but at the same time, here's how I feel about it and how, you know, maybe there's some things that you could do or there's some things that you couldn't do. Let me preface that by saying, like, you know, there is a lack of good listening and maybe that maybe me saying this that look like the person listening should also have their moment to talk sort of adds to that lack of good listening but are there moments where you know that it takes vulnerability for the person listening to go up and be like look this is what I feel like you're doing wrong and this is what I feel like you should take control of and this is what I think you should just let go of. Yeah. How much vulnerability do you think that that takes for a person? I think for someone to do that um, can come from two places, right? It can come from a place of like, like you said, like, I'm better than you. Like, I know how to fix it. Like, stop, like, grumbling about it and fix this, mm. right? And that's not the approach that we want to take. No. Um, so I think, right, when we do that... Um, I think the first thing that I would do is to check my heart and my intention. Like, do I actually want to help the person or am I just annoyed that they're renting, right? And mm. if it's the formal, that like, I actually do want to help this person, um, I think it takes a lot of, like, honesty and you have to really care about the person to be like, hey, um, you know, you see it this way, but I know it's the hard truth, um, but this is what I think and I, and I hope that you can accept, you know, what I'm trying to say to you, that I'm coming a place from a place of love. Um, I think that you doing this is not helpful to you. Um, I think it, it takes courage um, and like vulnerability and honesty from the other party to do that. But I also feel only really good friends or people who really care about you will give you the hard truth like that. And there mm. are times where we need to hear it and there are times that we have to give it to our friends. Um, and hopefully the person receiving it will receive it with like, you know, an open mind and like with grace, realizing that it's it's like coming from a place of love. Mm. and that you care for them and that you know you want things to get better for them right but do you think it's also that sense of fear oh i was sorry sorry to interrupt you were you gonna add something to that no no no, i wasn't good 
Okay. Uh, but do you think that there is a fear of that sense of how is this person going to accept it? That sort of limits us from being open about it? Yeah, for sure. And so like, you're actually, yeah, really, really helping me understand this concept of vulnerability. So thank you so much. Um, yeah. But yeah, a vulnerable conversation should be like both ways, right? Someone feeling that they can share, but also someone who like can receive feedback or can receive not just feedback, maybe even encouragement or other insight. Um, I think that is the kind of like healthy, vulnerable conversation that like I'm striving for. And that, you know, that, that is the kind of conversation we would love to have, you know, that we want to have. Mm. Um, so yes, I get that it is, you know, there is this like fear factor. Um, but maybe prefacing it with like, hey, this is coming from a place of love. Is it okay that I tell you how I feel? Um, mm. And like, you know, letting them know that you're not coming from a, like, you know, like, yeah. I want to fix you kind of way. And usually when you preface it with a softer approach, most people are willing to accept it. It's always about delivery, how you convey the message that you're you know, wanting to convey. I think mm. it's very, very important. Mm. Yeah, so true. It is very important in terms of how we sort of lay the groundwork. Because like you said, if you're going in, like, oh, I'm going to fix you by like sculpting <laughs> you out, you're going to be fine. But no, that's not how it works. It works if they have the intention of fixing themselves and that, you know, they reach that path of fixing themselves. But uh, just transitioning a little more into the game or the card game, rather. Yeah. Can you share some details of how it helps to sort of get people vulnerable if my question makes sense yeah yeah definitely i feel like so it's a question game um mm. so we have we haven't really um solidified everything but basically we'll have questions so the main concept is like if you pull up a card you have a question and that question would um elicit a more like deep response so questions for example like um what i posted on my instagram recently what is something that your parents have said to you that really hurt you right like mm. that requires some like self-reflection and, and it requires vulnerability to share something that like made you feel hurt um and that hopefully when the person shares the group will be you know um be able to sympathize i'm sorry not sympathize but empathize um to encourage to be like hey like i've been there too and create some sort of like camaraderie and like um closeness um so i think that's how the card game will help in um, being open by giving you prompts that you won't just tell your friends out of the blue. Hey, like last month, my mom said something to hurt me. <laughs> you know, I was mm. like, oh, this is sick. Yeah. Mm. It helps add context to a conversation or to a gathering rather. Mm. Yeah. And mm. Sometimes we just need that prompt, right? One thing I've realized about having conversations with people is that if I ask, most of the time they're willing to share. But nobody really asked those hard questions. Mm, so mm, the question mm. game will kind of like help that. Mm, mm. Okay, if you, if you could dig deep into like the genesis of the idea and the people that you're working with, just, yeah, like talk to me about that. Like how, how did the brainstorming, brainstorming rather, of all of this work? Yeah, um, so... It first started with like me wanting to start a business on my own. Um, mm. And I tried dropshipping, super random. I don't know if you've heard of dropshipping. <laughs> I know, yeah, I know what dropshipping. Funny yeah. you asked that because I spoke to somebody a couple of weeks back, no, a couple of, last week, uh -huh. 
Um, the, the episode is probably coming a couple of weeks before this one. But yeah, they spoke to me about dropshipping and how they moved on from it. But sorry to interrupt okay. you. Go ahead. I also moved on from it. So I guess dropshipping is not for us. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to start a business. Um, but I realized that dropshipping, like I was just after the money. There was no passion in the product that I was trying to sell. Mm. So I decided like that's not for me. Um, I, I want to start a business, but I want to be passionate about it. And I want it to like bring forth some kind of good. Um, so me and my best friend, Sarah, um, she's like the co-founder of But Honestly, we have really, really good conversations throughout the years, right? Uh, we're not together, but we'll always text each other or like voice note or call um, talking about like childhood traumas, about like women's rights, like our our take on um, like hard issues that we're facing, like, you know, friendship problems. And we have just like this really, really vulnerable conversations. I can always come to her um, and it like... I always feel so encouraged after a conversation with her. And I was just telling her like how I want to start a business and like combining it with like the dynamics of our friendship and how we felt like conversations like this were hard to 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 find. Um, we thought, why not let's create a product that allows for people to have such conversations within their friend group? Um, because I don't really have a lot of people that I can have such conversations with, even though I crave it so much. Um, not everyone is um, used to conversations like that. So like normalizing it. And we definitely also saw a huge problem in Malaysia um, where people felt like they couldn't share how they feel and mental health problems are rising. Um, children, mm-hmm. they're more stressed out than ever. Um, and that culture of like keeping it in is so toxic. And so not like we felt like from our experience of having vulnerable conversations and how that really helped our self-growth, we want to be able to help um, the people in our country hopefully start that mm. kind of like self-reflection and conversations and openness with their friends. Mm. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Um, this is this is just a random business question, but is it is it yeah. crowdfunding or is it being um, like sort of is it a bootstrapped sort of thing? Um, so we are anticipating to start um, to launch a Kickstarter. So this okay. is the. Like, no one's known this, but it's some exclusive tea for you. Um, we want to launch a Kickstarter soon. Um, we do need funding. Like, we, you know, I just started working. We don't have a lot of, like, funds behind it. Um, and because it's, like, a social social enterprise almost, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we, de- we, would, we hope that we'll get some support. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we, our Kickstarter will bring us some revenue so we'll be able to launch the product well and create like a really good product for you know people to appreciate Hmm. i mean if the kickstarter is ready by the time that this episode goes out i'd be happy to put it down in the links below so just let me know if it's if it's ready by then or whatever but we can talk about that later but right, yeah right, right. Be, we'd be happy to share it um because i think it's a really it's a really good cause in terms of yeah getting to people getting people to just open up and not feel like they're living this world alone because um, right. like we said earlier like we are very communal we are we are social species so like we need people around us and sure like you walk your life alone all that 100 percent, but you need people along the way like your paths need to intersect with people to be able to sort of walk that path alone um so yeah, like you need that openness and like, you know, I'm glad that you're able to sort of work towards making that happen with your friends. 
and uh, yeah that's 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 really beautiful um maybe this is a little too deep and quite a bit of a tangent but thinking back on it or again like i said gift of hindsight do you feel like there's certain incidences in your life that have motivated you to do this yeah um so our initial idea for the card game was to create something to help um asian parents and children communicate better right mm. that's the the initial thought and then we venture in thinking like okay let's let's do something for um the mass public first to create vulnerability with a friend group and then tackle like asian parents because that's like a even harder um obstacle to overcome i think um honestly it started because i like i have great parents right very loving parents they took care of me they are actually pretty open and honest and vulnerable but a lot of things that i want to address about my childhood with them i felt like were it's hard to do so mm. um, and yeah a lot of like maybe meet my ang- angry childhood trauma or like you know them not listening to me or you know like the fights mm-hmm. that we had um i felt like a card game or something to ask the hard questions that i felt scared to ask would um if i were to play with my parents it would make us a lot closer um mm. that was the initial like thing in my heart that i wanted to do for for myself and also for my community right the asian community i feel like we don't do it a lot um so that is definitely a card pack that we want to create because that's the real like blood flow or whatever you know like that's the heartbeat of our our company um yeah wanting to quote like make that closer like the relationship between us and our parents um which is hard right i don't know if you feel the same way with your parents or what your dynamics are with your parents but i feel like a lot of asian people we struggle with the same thing not being able to tell our parents how we feel them also not being comfortable enough to share with us how they feel because they feel like they have to maintain this like caretaker role in our lives and so i really want to break that boundary if i can yeah mm that is awesome that is really awesome cuz yeah like like you said especially with our culture there is sort of a hindrance in being able to speak to your parents openly about things um cuz yeah i remember reading one of the posts that you all had put out on that page about how there's certain things that your parents told you that you know made you feel insufficient in comparison to your friends yeah. um you know and that goes that goes a long way in the sense that cuz after all like when we're listening to these things we're kids and you know that sort of ends up becoming that can become a sort of sentence that just stuck in your head you know like right. yeah i'm not i'm not worthy I uh, need to eat this person's s word to get better because <laughs> I've heard people <laughs> say this like you know yeah. go eat their go eat their I'll have to bleep it out but go eat and uh you know that'll make you better sort of thing right um yeah so I I feel like things like that it I don't want to say that it doesn't come a pla- come from a place of like love it probably does but it's probably also a result of the trauma that they went through that they're sort of 
putting out on us, you know, um, which is unfortunate. But also, I'm sort of glad that this generation is sort of working towards changing that. And you're also part of it with this card game, wherein, you know, we're not going to do that. Or hopefully we're not going to do that to our kids where, you know, um, you're sort of going to. I don't want to say create a combative relationship, but then. There is that sense of like, oh, I can't go and tell my parent this. I can't go and tell my mom this or I can't go and tell my dad this. Because, <laughs> I mean, maybe I'm too young to have thoughts about parenthood, but <laughs> I love kids. And, um, you know, I've thought about things like that in terms of how uh, I want to be with my kids. Is that something that you've thought about? If not, again, if you're not comfortable sharing, that's totally fine. But is that something that you've thought about or you think about in terms of how it can affect kids of the future if we, as the young adults of this generation, make that switch or make that change? Yeah, no, I definitely have. Like, I am in education. I love kids. Right? I'm always thinking about kids and, like, what kind of parent I would be like. Um, and I think, like, just, like, adding to what you said, that, you know, we want to be better parents and than our parents and I feel like they had the same thought they wanted to be better parents and so we're always striving to be better um and that requires a lot of like self-reflection and awareness as well it's like what did they do that I want to do what did they do that I don't want to do like Mm. um I feel like it would if our generation right we are a lot more like self-aware and we realize okay we want to be able to talk to our kids it will create a generation of kids um that are more comfortable with you know, speaking to their parents, I think that would also improve mental health, right? Like being mm-hmm. feeling safe um, to come to your parents for help. Um, and even on like a more like micro scale, like if in my family, if my child was to be caught doing something wrong or, or doing something bad, like I want them to be able to come to me and I provide them advice versus they go to their friend or go somewhere else, you know, and like, if I can create that safe space, um, the vulnerability in my household, I will be able to like, be there for my child the way, the way that will actually support them. Um, mm. So I think definitely good things like good impact on the next generation, if we are open and vulnerable with them. that way. Mm. Yeah, because we're, we're sort of called like this a mental health issues generation, right? Or I mean, I don't know if you've heard that term, but I've heard it a lot in terms of how we are the sort of generation that's dealing with a lot of this mental health problems. And sure, like it's not just parenting that has a role to play in it. I'm not going to blame it all on that because there's social media, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, there's a lot of things that play into it. But what you just said there about how being comfortable to be able to talk to your parents about it can help if not entirely fix it, at least help work towards fixing it. That's definitely a step forward, you know, because right now we're in a spot where some kids are not comfortable going and talking to their parents and telling them, hey, I have mental health problems. Um, Because a lot of the times (laughs) I've heard these jokes. I don't know if you've heard of this comedian, Indian-American comedian called um, Hassan Minhaj. I think he made this joke somewhere of... uh, yeah, like he felt really upset or sad and his dad told him to go drink water and go to sleep or something like that. <laughs> so it, it's things like that. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's things like that. Like, you know, um, the the awareness of the fact that, yeah, my child might be going through something and, you know, I need to be able to help them out. I think our generation, hopefully, by working 
on things like this, like the project that you're working on and much more can sort of get there. And again, not to say I'm not bashing my parents or all my parents are like uh, a gift to to say the least. Like, you know, I I personally, and I've mentioned this again before too, I can't imagine living a life without them. But, you know, like there are some things that that could have been better. Um, You know, so it's it's just those thoughts that sort of occupy you sometimes in being like, oh, this, it could have been better. Or what can I do that, is better than what they're doing right now. Like you said, we want to be better at parenting than our parents were. And that's sort of like that progression of just wanting to become better. So yeah, that's 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 fair and that's beautiful in the way that how you're working towards trying to get this going through a card game. Because like, people wouldn't think that a card game can do that. Mm. Or would they? No, yeah, I think, I think yeah, it, it's not a very expected thing normally but they are existing card games like that um i just wanted to put in a more fun approach and something that's more catered to the asian audience um mm. all the card games that are like that they're existing for example like we're not really strangers like pretty famous card game also asking questions um it's very american um maybe mm. not so relatable to us so my card game is more like relatable to us and um not as intense, I think, because maybe our culture is like not ready for that kind of intensity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. Not to put you on the spot, but have you thought about where But Honestly can take you? Or what are some of the future aspirations that you have for But Honestly? If you don't it's mind so sharing. Crazy. No, it would be so crazy if like I watched this like 10 years from now and it's like doing yeah. great. But also funny if I watch 10 years from now, it's like not doing great. I'm like, oh, that didn't happen. Yeah. But um, I would really like to make, to have like a social impact, right? Like on the mm. big scale, yes, I would love to scale this company up to like have a lot of packs to really, really um, be a fun game, but also have a good social like impact um, in Malaysia and maybe the rest of Asia, hopefully, you know, to bigger larger Asian communities Mm. Um, but even if I could help one person be more vulnerable and really like change how they like self-reflect I think they would be worth it because that's the whole goal right Um, ideally yes like more people the better but even if only one person like really really like um, you know learns to be vulnerable and honest with themselves and other people then it's not a waste. Like my product's not a waste. Mm. Yeah, because you've done you've done your part of sort of contributing to the change, and maybe that could lead to a domino effect of you know so on. So yeah, no, that is that is really beautiful. Because I think in terms of like, especially when you're starting something like this, and I feel like I feel the same way too. When starting something like this, you try not to let the numbers determine the worth of what you're starting. Yeah. But at the Just same hard. time. Exactly, because the numbers do matter to an extent. In terms of you making money, one hundred percent, it does matter. Because you know you need to keep things afloat and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not a business. I'm not knowledgeable about business, but you know, yeah, you need money to stay. Like this world rotates on money, so you need the money to be able to stay afloat. But at the same time, like noticing the fact that okay, even if this can change one person, then that's my job done. I think. That needs a sense of security with the self that can be hard to come by sometimes. Because again, like I said, we sort of attach our worth 
to the numbers of our growth yeah. yeah how important is that for you i mean you already sort of mentioned it but how important is it for you to not let this turn into that but at the same time be able to make sure that you can keep this as a business that is growing have you thought about that <laughs> yeah very brief, briefly um i think i mm-hmm. i you know had a conversation with uh, my co-founder about this um i'm not going to lie at first like being profitable was um one of the motivations right like i want to create a business that can generate income for me um but as we discussed we really realized that this was bigger than that um mm. if i want to make an income there's so many other ways right? right um i could yeah i could start so many other businesses that will generate me more income like percentage wise profitability wise right this is not really it because um mm. yeah it's not like super super profitable but yeah. like the goal is to create some sort of social change and um i think after the discussion we really like realized that that's the vision of our company like even if we're not extremely profitable we want to keep going and like like even now we've discussed this like all the money that we we make like the first round you know we want to like pump it back into the business so we can mm-hmm. have, like produce more product um, right. that's the yeah which so i do feel like i'm very thankful for a team um that believes in that um and that mm-hmm. we're not we're really not after money we're we we're after like change long lasting change right 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 yeah cuz the money will come and the money will go but the change is probably right. going to make a long lasting impact yeah right right yeah very true yeah um how important is it for you to have that sort of team where you know you're not the goal is the same where the goal is common so 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 important i'm sure you've been a part of like teams or groups where like you know like everyone has a different goal or a motive um so it's so important i i this way i'm very like careful in recruiting people or you know um i'm so so blessed because my team like we kind of grew up together um mm. so actually we all kind of grew up together in um church right and mm. um in our experience of church like we have been very encouraged to be vulnerable and to share how we feel because um i think like our faith causes to be very reflective and mm-hmm. um, so we saw the importance of that because like, it was our experience um so because of that it's so easy for us to catch the same vision to catch the same goals um so yeah i i think it's so important so so important and i'm, I'm very very happy that i get to work with my team kind of a great team that's, <laughs> yeah that's good that's good that's good because i think like that again i'm i'm not built a business but from what i've heard people say you know you need to have that common core of people who have the same motives and the same goals to keep it afloat so but this is just another slightly tangent still tangential but still about the game is it going to be released in multiple languages or is it just english or are right. you looking at doing that in the future yeah yeah so good um so currently english um because we don't really have the funds and we want to test the market first Um, right. but eventually we do want to create different languages because um first like i mean my 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 target um audience is malaysians but eventually yeah. like if i can go outside of malaysia definitely other like you know southeast asian languages or asian languages um especially with the parent deck we in the future um we would love to have it like bilingual trilingual uh, mm. help um 
you know, playing with your parents that maybe they don't speak English or maybe, you know, you know they need a different language or. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like, like most of the most of the urban parts of most countries are already sort of advanced. They have like the connections that they need, whereas. I think it's sort of like those slightly more rural areas that need that additional sort of boost in terms of all the everything that's coming to the urban world also like needs to go to the rural world. So no, that's that's awesome that you all have those sort of plans of like hopefully and knock on wood, hopefully all goes well and you know you uh, put it towards turning it into a regional thing too. Yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. Um I lost my train of thought there. Um, but just to sort of end on a slightly light note before we transition into the last leg of this podcast, um, what are some fun things that you would like to hear from conversation with your parents, like about their past? Fun things? Fun things. Um, I mean, I would love to hear about their love life, like who did they date, <laughs> you know, like uh-huh. get on the tea. You know, yeah. I don't know why, like, we think of parents like, oh, they only love each other. You know, we don't think about their past, you know, that's, that's kind of juicy. I, w- I would want to know that. Um, maybe about their childhood. Like, I mean, my parents do share and, and we have had conversations. I mean, you know, like, ask about their marriage, like how they met and like, ask about when they were kids. But maybe like, you know, like more like interesting stuff. Like, you know, were they like naughty in school? Like, did they mm. listen? You know, like funny, funny stories like that. I would, I would like yeah good question mm. <laughs> yeah thank you uh just to sort of jump off of that is that also part of the card game just out of curiosity is that also part of right. the card game or is it not, not the current deck because it's not geared towards okay. parents but like our okay. parent deck definitely will have like fun questions serious questions a mixture of all yeah gotcha gotcha that's awesome that's awesome well more power to you and your team hopefully this all goes well uh and yeah we're gonna transition into the last leg of the podcast uh starting off with the segment pish pash bosh uh where it's just like word association where i give you five different words and you have to respond to each of those words in three words or in three phrases so for example if i was to say vulnerability what are the three words that come to your mind or the first three words that come to your mind that sort of thing uh the five words sort of stay consistent or not sort of they stay consistent with all guests because it's sort of like a part of, I don't know, this passion project, if you want to call it that, um, of me trying to see how people respond to the same words differently. So, uh, yeah, so that's basically what it is. Does that make sense? Do you have any questions? Yes. No questions. Okay, cool. So the first word is differences. What comes to your mind when I say the word differences? Like the first three things that pop up in your head. Shapes. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I do <different> shapes. <laughs> um, I think of shapes, differences. I think of gender, mm-hmm. um, and I think of lifestyle. Oh, that's like this really random three things. No, hey, and that's that's what I want. That's what I want. That's yeah. totally fine. Uh, yeah. The second word is nuance. What comes to your mind when I say the word nuance? I think of love, mm-hmm. color, and very color, subtle. color. Okay, huh, interesting. Like subtle. I think like nuance are very subtle, you know. Mm. Okay, color, nuance, and love. Oh, right. Or you're just like, oh, no, it's, no, it's, no, like it's okay. <laughs> no, no, if you want to, feel free to, but no, you, you're not. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to if you don't want to. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
the third word is learning what comes to your mind when i say the word learning constant um i think malleable like le- like you're not just like born smart right like learning is like growth mindset kind of thing like we can always learn more um learning i think of interest like you have to be interested to mm. learn something you cannot learn something that you're not interested in i think right you can but it's hard and it sucks you know you don't want to do that yeah right 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 yeah totally uh the fourth word is empathy what comes to your mind when i say the word empathy i think of sacrifice like empathy is requires some sort of sacrifice like a sacrificial love mm. kind of thing like putting down a unconditional understand Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you like you have to put yourself down to to, to you know. Mm, mm, be mm, empathetic. Mm, mm. Um I think of uh family. Mm-hmm. Maybe I feel like family should be more empathetic or like that should be, you know, where it starts and how we learn to most of the time especially as kids. We I think it's love. I think it like showing empathy is showing love. Mm. beautiful. Uh the last word for this segment is similarities. What comes to your mind when I say the word similarities? Similarity, I think. I don't know why I keep thinking of shapes. Why <laughs> like shapes in my mind? I don't know. So it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> shapes. Um okay. Why do I think shapes? I'm trying to analyze myself. I think maybe that's cuz like I how I group things. I don't know when when you're sitting mm. like you put it together maybe. Mm. I think uh safe. I think when you feel like you're similar to someone, you feel connected. For example, if if I saw you an Asian person in uh, America, I would feel like, you know, similarity feel safe. Right. Um similarity uh is I don't know why I think of the word tangible. Uh, mm. it's not always tangible like you don't actually you, it's not always something that you see but it can be a feeling that you feel someone can look different from me but we feel like we have a lot of similarity mm no yeah that does cuz you know sometimes we tend to judge a book by its cover but then when you open the book you know you realize oh i am the same way too so hey, no, that makes hey. sense yeah that makes sense totally Yeah, so cool. Well, those are great answers. Uh, thank you so much for playing along on this segment. Um uh, for the penultimate question on this episode. What or how do you relate to people? I think emotionally. Mm. Um I feel like if someone tells me a story that has emotional components to it like oh they felt sad or they felt um disgusted or, or angry or disappointed like I can relate to those emotions. um and that helps me relate to people um i think learning to put myself in their shoes helps me relate um and not being like oh like i know better or like my experience is better really like that kind of like sacrificial like love thing that we were talking about um being able to be like oh maybe like i'm wrong and, and you know how can i understand you better i think self awareness all those things like Mm. Yeah, I relate better. Gotcha. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense because, like, you know, sometimes if you don't, we won't and get the entire picture from the even if we're in their shoes because you know we're not dealing with it. But at the same time, like, doing that has that added 
sense of understanding, if you will, that helps you see that perspective. Even if you don't understand it, you see it. And even if you don't agree it, you can accept the fact that, yes. okay. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Now you look at it that, or they look at it that way and that I don't. And that's totally fine. Like, you know, I feel like that's sort of, unfortunately, that's sort of the world where we live in right now, where, you know, if your perspective is different. Then you're like canceled. Right? <laughs> exactly. You're either yeah. with us or you're against us sort of mentality, which is unfortunate, but hopefully it can change for the better. I yeah. agree. Yeah. But for the last, why? Well, I, I keep calling this a question, but then I say that I shouldn't call it a question. <laughs> I need to get better at this. But <laughs> uh, leave us with a positive quote or a quote, rather, a positive quote or a positive thought. I tried to say two words at once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, leave us with a positive thought before we close off. Positive thought. Oh, that's good. Um... Don't be too hard on yourself. Um, learn mm. like and like with that, like learn to forgive yourself, love yourself, um, cut yourself some slack. Like you are like better than you think you are. You're like prettier than you think you are, smarter than you think you are. Don't be so hard mm. on yourself. My quote. That is, <laughs> yeah, no, that is that is wonderful because I think um, we take ourselves too seriously sometimes, and we need we need that reminder of being like, look, you're. You know, yeah, like you're you're human after all, so hey, it's okay. Who create a mess up? Yeah, right, right, right. That that is beautiful. And on that note, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Yeah, on a thirteen-hour time difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I had so much fun. Thank you so much. It was a yeah, really good totally, conversation. Totally, totally, totally. Happy to have had you on, and good luck to you and your team. On, uh, but honestly. Uh, And for those of you listening and watching, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of Perspective Platoon with Prateek. Make sure to follow Shichi on her social media accounts, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review on the platform of your choice and follow Random Relatability on social media. Share your thoughts on the guest introduction post on the Random Relatability Instagram page and also check the description for other sources of information and content that we've talked about today. If you've made it this far, thank you once again. I really appreciate you listening to the entire episode and joining in on the conversation. Until next time, stay safe, take care, and don't forget to keep your mind open to different perspectives. Because you never know, random relatability might just be around the corner.